Hey, podcast people. Tony Stark here. The show is called Re-MCU. These guys had the brilliant idea to do something no one else has. Rewatch the Marvel Cinematic Universe and talk about it. Top-notch idea, fellas. Congrats. Anyway, let's see what brilliant thoughts come from this. Take it away, boys. Welcome to the very first episode of Re-MCU. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And you may, of course, know us, or maybe not know us, from the Cinesnob podcast. Uh, We decided, Cody and I, to uh, do this podcast where we re-watch the entire canon of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. uh, That's with all 22 films. We're starting at the very, very beginning this episode is about Iron Man. Now, uh, you, of course, know that this is the uh, the film that launched everything in uh, 2008, Cody, uh, directed yeah, by John Favreau, starring at the time uh, a somewhat unproven and I don't know if it was controversial, but uh, Robert Downey Jr., his first big role since kind of being known as a drug addict, I guess, for most of uh, the late nineties into the two thousands. Yeah. Um, it was, it was, I remember at the time it was an interesting choice because, um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Had just come off of a couple of really great performances. That was his resurgence. I know that, um, that kiss, kiss, bang, bang was a big part of that. Um, right. Uh, and I think, I believe that that was one of the movies that really helped him get the role, but he had also just done Zodiac as well, mm-hmm. um, which he was really great in. And then somewhere mixed in between here, maybe even the same year was when, uh, Tropic Thunder came out as well. And so, you know, uh, it, it yeah, was, I, I think Tropic Thunder was, uh, yeah, it, later in two, in 2008, it was after Iron Man. Yeah. And, and so, and so this was a moment where, where they kind of struck while the iron was hot. And I think that part of the reason why people saw this possibly working was that, uh, was that the casting was damn near perfect, especially given, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s, uh, checkered past, um, you know, what better person to play, um, a guy, you know, ultimately seeking uh, redemption as, as, you know, Tony Stark's arc has been for, you know, the duration of the, the series. Excuse me, Mr. Stark, Christine Everhart, Vanity Fair magazine. Can I ask you a couple of questions? She's cute. She's all right. Hi. Hi. Yeah. It's okay? Okay, go. You've been called the Da Vinci of our time. What do you say to that? Absolutely ridiculous. I don't paint. And what do you say to your other nickname, the Merchant of Death? That's not bad. Let me guess. Berkeley? Brown, actually. Well, Ms. Brown, it's an imperfect world, but it's the only one we've got. I guarantee you the day weapons are no longer needed to keep the peace, I'll start making bricks and beams for baby hospitals. You rehearse that much? Every night in front of the mirror before bedtime. I can see that. I'd like to show you firsthand. All I want is a serious answer. Okay, you're serious. My old man had a philosophy. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. That's a great line coming from the guy selling the sticks. My father helped defeat the Nazis. He worked on the Manhattan Project. A lot of people, including your professors at Brown, would call that being a hero. And a lot of people would also call that war profiteering. Tell me, do you plan to report on the millions we've saved by advancing medical technology or kept from starvation with our IntelliCrops? All those breakthroughs, military funding, honey. You ever lose an hour of sleep your whole life? 
be prepared to lose a few with you. I believe this opened the same summer as The Dark Knight, if I'm correct, right? This opened a little bit before The Dark Knight in 2008. The I Dark think Knight so. was, was later in 2008. So superhero movies were kind of in a weird spot when when this came about because we were, I think, dead center in the uh, or just finished the Raimi Spider-Man movies. When was when was Spider-Man three? I, I don't remember if it was 2007 or 2008. Spider-Man three was uh, 2007. Okay, and before that, we'd had Superman Returns. Uh, which which hadn't really uh, taken off like the studio wanted to. And then Spider-Man 3 killed the Spider-Man series at Sony in 2007. And the only thing really running at this time was uh, the Batman series from Nolan with uh, Batman Begins having been, uh, I think, pretty well received, but it didn't really cement itself as this amazing series until The Dark Knight after the uh, Iron Man came out. Yeah, it was a really weird place um, because a couple years prior, the X-Men series kind of ended with a thud in its first round. Uh, mm-hmm. Superman Returns came out at that point, and also that was also 2006 and was a thud. Um, and so, and so, yeah, it, it wasn't. It, it was. It's weird to think about how little saturation there was um, with with comic book movies or superhero movies in terms of you know them being good and i think that you know iron man and the dark knight were the first ones to sort of change that conversation um and usher in a you know a decade of uh you know where we are now where black panther is nominated for best picture and and these movies that demand to be taken seriously and i guess maybe batman begins was the first one that that maybe did that but yeah i feel like that one was was less was more of a received more quietly than than it really led on because I remember seeing it, I believe that came out in 2005. Right. Uh, and I think that was the same year as Spider-Man 2, or was that 2004? Man, it all seems so recent, but it's all so long ago. So, yeah, Sp- Spider-Man 2 was in 2004. Okay, so 2005 was Batman Begins. And it all had kind of uh, fallen apart. Like, the, the X-Men series had, had come and gone um, in, you know, at, the, at that point. It, it, it had ended with a thud, like you said, with X-Men Last Stand. And Spider-Man had run out of gas, and it had, uh, first of all, this movie was distributed by Paramount. I don't know if you noticed that when you were watching it. Yeah, I did, yeah. Which I I've, had forgotten about, because uh, you think of this all as a Disney-Marvel thing. Uh, but also that this movie marked the beginning of of Marvel trying to, to do pr- uh, projects with its sort of B-list characters. Because at the time... And, and through most of the 90s, let's be honest, it was the X-Men and Spider-Man were the two biggest things uh, in the Marvel stable. And stuff like Iron Man was, I mean, if you there was an Iron Man cartoon, I believe, but it was terrible. And no one no one would have imagined that this would have been a viable product, I don't think. Yeah, and and I and just you know perusing the the Wikipedia page for for Iron Man, it's it's funny to see how long this idea had been gestating because, um, you know the the, the back at I mean it goes back to like 1990, um, yeah, when it first started gestating, and then it and it, and it went through different periods where, um, where like in 2001, uh, you know Joss Whedon was uh in talks to direct, and then Nick Cassavetes was attached in 2004 (laughs) and like it just went through so many iterations where like nick cage tom cruise they all wanted to play uh tony stark in in these movies in in various points of the year but you know at the time i I feel like um 
outside of the comic book realm, I remember Iron Man being like, you know, like you were saying, a, a, a pretty uh, limited, limitedly known commodity at that point. Yeah. And it's it's interesting that that you mentioned that in the 90s it had been optioned. There's a, a, a lot of low budget crap that Marvel had its name attached to it. It's funny, having been a fan of this stuff for so long, there is a lot of terrible stuff that, that Marvel put out uh, uh, in the 90s that they just gave the money, they just gave gave the rights to anybody who gave them money. Because there's a, uh, there's have you, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a terrible uh, 1990 Captain America. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're even further back, there's a, a Captain America from the 70s, which is more of like an evil Knievel thing. But then there's also there was also a uh, David Hasselhoff Nick Fury movie. Yeah, I don't know if you were aware of that. There was a TV. Movie. I do remember that, and this was also around the time with the with the um, with the Roger Corman Fantastic Four too. That was in the '90s, right? Oh yeah, that's notoriously never been released officially. I mean, I've seen it, of course, as a bootleg. But yeah, that that movie was supposedly made so that. Uh, they didn't whatever studio made it didn't lose the rights it's it's a it's funny to look back at this time and you know this is this is related to the conversation there's there's so many one-offs in this era you know spider-man was a one-off they weren't ever going to bring in iron man or or captain america into the spider-man universe the uh, superman universe was self-contained the batman stuff was entirely self-contained the x-men stuff was self-contained uh, and then everything else they threw at it, like that Ang Lee Hulk movie, I think was 2003, that was self-contained and bizarre. But then Iron Man came along and had the hint of something else going on the whole time. And I think that's probably the biggest surprise I had rewatching it was that there is this groundwork laid for for S.H.I.E.L.D. and for kind of expanding this universe but the movie doesn't go out of its way to to cater to that, and and I, I found that to be quaint now <laughs> in this world where we have you know thirty superheroes in one movie scene. You know, the whole thing felt quaint, and we'll get to it um, a little bit later uh, when we get into the finer details of it. But yeah, I mean, it was it was refreshing to see a movie that legitimately only cared about its origin story while peppering in different elements rather than being a table setter to get to any certain point. And I feel like even a lot of the origin stories that we've seen um, more recently have not quite been that. It's all been building to something else. I mean, there's stuff that's sort of out of left field, like Doctor Strange, which I think was a really well-executed, self-contained thing. Let's, but- let's be honest, it was doc- it was Iron Man with magic. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yes. I mean, okay. yes. That's yeah. We can call it, we can call it like that. But yeah. Uh, but I mean, even stuff like um, you know, you, you you can tell these days that they're trying to introduce these characters because at some point they're all going to team up together with someone else and interact with others. Um, and so I, I I appreciated um how self-contained the movie really did feel while adding the stuff and and particularly with like Coulson popping up every few minutes to. Yeah, uh, yeah. To be a to, presence in there. Yeah, I, I liked that detail. That's what I was mentioning with the, it sort of peppering the shield stuff through the the film with with it ex- not really explaining it, but just sort of being there as a nod to people that knew what was going on as a comic book fan. And then, you know, of course, this all gets sketched in and, and really filled in later in later films. But it was a nice uh, little surprise for for 
for a comic book fan like myself that there was something that was acknowledging that there was going to be more to this universe. Because, it, like I said, up until this point, it had all been self-contained. Everything was self-contained. You never saw Batman cross over with Superman. You never saw the X-Men meet up with the Fantastic Four or whatever on film. So that that this was acknowledging that and, and, and kind of pointedly acknowledging that uh, was was a real change of pace. And I think it, it lends a lot to the movie, which has, which is, a, I'm just going to say it, it's a really, really good movie still. Yeah. It holds up incredibly well, but knowing that it, it's the start of, uh, of, of a universe that's built and it kind of acknowledges that is nice. Not that it's, it's all kind of ret, it's not retconned into this stuff. It, it really kind of had a, an eye on making things bigger had it been a success. And obviously it was. Ms. Fox. Yes. Can I speak to you for a moment? I'm, I'm not part of the press conference, but it's about to begin right now. I'm not a reporter. I'm Agent Phil Coulson with the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. That's quite a mouthful. I know. We're working on it. You know, we've, we've been approached already by the DOD, the FBI, the CIA. We're a separate I... division. So, Cody, how long had it been since you'd seen Iron Man uh, when you rewatched it, before you rewatched it this, this past week? It had been a while. I, I think I've seen it maybe once um, prior to... I feel like maybe I watched it as a primer to maybe Iron Man 3. Um, because uh, we'll get to it uh, later, but spoiler alert, I have never finished Iron Man 2. Um, what? I, I, I watched it at home and I just I turned it off because I really <laughs> didn't like it. And so we'll talk about that in an upcoming episode. But I, there's a certain, after a certain point, I don't, I don't know what happens at the end of Iron Man 2 when... When Mickey Rourke starts hopscotching with his arms, I'm like, oh boy. Uh, but um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So it had been a while, and um, the the thing that I was most surprised by looking back on it is how how small scale it feels. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only a couple of big set pieces in in the movie. Um, and the rest is really character development. Um, and in in good character development at that, we see Tony actually go on uh on an on a character arc that's really satisfying i mean we see him um you know at his at his like big playboy um ego uh level and then we see him get knocked down a peg and we see his whole um view uh worldview shift right in a way that's really satisfying i think and kind of really sets the table for for what that character experiences um throughout the the course of the mcu um so yeah, I, I was I was surprised at how small scale it was. Um and um now the set pieces it, it's funny to see the CGI growing over the years. It's not terrible by any means, but um but but the 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 suit looks uh a little bit more like fake and plastic, I think, than uh than it does these these days. Yeah, you know the what I really noticed was the ironmonger suit from the end there's a, a shot of it where, uh, you know, it's from above its shoulders, like a God's eye view. And you're look, you're seeing the back of its head uh, or back of the helmet looking down at uh, Jeff Bridges character, Obadiah Stain, which is a fucking great name, by the way. <laughs> uh, and it, it looks very painted plasticky, which is maybe just a, you know, from from the 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 uh, the way these movies have been kind of cgi to death the last few years but it it was a little bit refreshing to see so much physicality in it uh and i I think one of the big things i noticed 
that the later movies didn't, the later movies have kind of brushed off as with all this nanoparticle nonsense, but the fact that like getting into the Iron Man suit for, for Tony was an, an ordeal. Like it yeah. had to be placed on him. Now, like, you know, by the time Infinity War rolls around, he just kind of presses a button and it forms around him from. Yeah. Like, oh, he presses his watch and an Iron Man suit comes out. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, in, it was fun to see the process, you know, the, cause it, obviously it starts with him building it, building the Iron Man suit in the cave uh, to escape. By the way, uh, that reminds me uh, before I get too far into this, such a Bush era film. Oh my God. Yes. Such yeah. a, uh, like, uh, it's an anti-war film. I mean, that's at, yeah. at its at its core. That's really what Iron Man is. It's an anti-war film, right? Because he's a weapons manufacturer who gets kidnapped by people who want him to build a weapon, and he sees these weapons are being used to destroy uh, villages in the Middle East. And uh, I mean, it's it's this one and, and Hulk, uh, the Incredible Hulk, which we'll talk about in the next episode. Very very militaristic. Uh, something that has not been part of the MCU probably since at least uh, Winter Soldier, but it's very, very like hands-on. It felt like like a less exaggerated Michael Bay uh, with the, the military love that these two films got. Well, and, and and I think that just to touch on the war thing really quickly, um, I, I was just again perusing and reading about the movie a little bit, and I and I and I, I guess that the um, you know the comics took place uh, in like the Vietnam era, and I and I and it's kind of incredible how that paralleled, and you know Favreau was able to change it to Afghanistan, and boom, like it's it's instantly relevant. <laughs> I'm a, a, another favorite of mine that dates it all is the. They take a photo. Uh, oh, I know what you're talking takes, about. <laughs> it's like the very first scene where yeah. he's in a Humvee and a soldier takes a photo with him and he tells him he doesn't want to see it on his MySpace page. <laughs> I, I did like the... Uh, that, that's that's the second best uh, MySpace reference that hasn't aged well. Do you know the, the best one ever? I don't. It's it's in the movie Funny People. And, uh, okay. And so... Uh, they end up going to like Seth Rogen's first gig writing for Adam Sandler's character is at a private party for MySpace. So Tom <laughs> from MySpace, uh, I, I think, is there, and then uh, James Taylor uh, is performing. And so before that, that they're going over, uh, they're going over like some jokes, and and Seth Rogen is like, "Hey, you should just be like fuck Facebook." <laughs> and then they cut to James Taylor performing, and he finishes his song, and then he goes, "Fuck Facebook." <laughs> it's it's the <laughs> it's the best like like uh, MySpace reference ever be, to me because like two years later, <laughs> MySpace was gone, yeah. and every and Facebook was the biggest thing of all time. <laughs> it's just very funny to me. Yeah, it is funny that this is so dated like that. And, and you know, uh, it's it is interesting to see that like there's. It's sort of the real world up until that point, you know. Like it's 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 a recognizable world that that we're living in, to a, to an extent, obviously, because I don't think there's any like superstar. <laughs> there's no superstar weapons developers, I think, in the world like that are probably not <laughs> that are party animals. But uh, and, but although although they, I mean, there's a lot of Elon Musk and Tony Stark, so that's the closest thing I think we have. Yeah, I guess so. But you know, it's it it is weird to gla- that that this world is glamorizing a weapons de- uh, weapons dealer, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so uh, also uh, right off the bat, I think uh, the, one of the 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 things I noticed hands down is is Robert Downey Jr. is pretty perfect in this role. He he is, and 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 I think that a lot of it has to do with him. So because I mean he's 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 got great mannerisms, 
and um, in in uh, the way he delivers his lines. But I think a lot of that has to do with um, how fully formed the character is almost instantly. Um, yes. You immediately know this guy, and you know his, um, you know, you know, he know, you know his mannerisms, the way he talks, the way he speaks, his sarcasm, um, his ego, his deflection with humor, and I think a lot of that has to do with a really good script. I, I think the movie's really well written and well put together, and I think it's a testament to both Robert Downey Jr. and the script that that this guy is a fully f- fleshed out character, l- like literally instantly from this first scene of the movie. Yeah, uh, it, you know, there's. Uh who who wrote this I, I can't remember there's like four writers uh nobody i've really heard of yeah you know it's not it's it probably has it was drafts over years and years uh mark fergus hawk otsby ostby art markham and matt holloway i don't know any of those yeah so mark fergus and hawk ostby wrote children of men um, oh, okay so yes. they were oscar nominated for children of men um and then uh they also and then the other two guys um Punisher uh, in Transformers: The Last Night in the upcoming <laughs> Men in Black International. Oh yeah, Punisher War Zone. Anyway, uh, so yeah, it, it's 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 never been, um, uh, you know, th- this series has never really been a writer's series. I don't think until uh, something like Black Panther came along. But there is uh, um, a lot of of great stuff in this in this film. A lot of um, uh, you know, great one-liners from from Stark, which is, which helps differentiate it from the fact that if you if you look closely enough at this, it's a Batman clone. You know, it's it's this billionaire throwing money at crime or or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, which is something I really kind of hadn't noticed until rewatching it this past week. That it really has parallels with with stuff like The Dark Knight, where you know, except it's more fun i mean i love the dark knight don't get me wrong but it's not a fun movie yeah i yeah it 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 was surprising to me how dark the um the initial uh sort of uh story of iron man is where you know he's literally they're hit by um i guess it was an an ied Right. Well, I think it was. Uh, no, I think it was one of his own missiles. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. And and so and you know he's taken hostage and being forced to make a weapon, and he's he meets up with um, uh, what's the name of that character? Why am I blinking on that? Oh, uh, um, Yinsen, right? Yes, I believe that is. Um, and so uh, and it's dark, and I and I remember watching. I was watching this movie, and I was thinking, gosh, like. This movie is so dark compared to I think what Marvel skews to now is is to both you know kids and adults. This is it was a pretty dark adult themed well, movie. I mean it's a, it's a it's about uh, weapons dealing and weapons manufacturing and terrorism. Like it's yeah. very it it is very dark and violent. And uh, there's a pretty for Marvel standards graphic sex scene uh, between oh, yeah. Leslie Bibb and and. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. that starts off the film. Well, it's like the flashback to 36 hours before, but yeah, uh, it, it's, it's surprisingly violent and surprisingly, you know, serious at times. And, uh, you know, there's people get shot and, and, and it's, you know, has like very recognizable terrorist, uh, themes like, you know, the, the hostage video that he's in and, uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the villages being killed and it's, it is, uh, it, like I said it, earlier, it's a very Bush-era film 
which is something I had kind of forgotten about. That... Same, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, let's get to the rest of the cast. What did you think of Jeff Bridges? You know, it, here's the thing I, I thought of uh, when I saw Jeff Bridges. I was like, I was like, wait a minute. This guy can actually enunciate <laughs> because yeah. everything he's done <laughs> after that point, he's had peanut butter mouth for the last decade. And now it's it's so interesting to hear that, like, it's a choice that he's making now. Like the guy because he's spe- like there's nothing that is that is that is like how he talks now in most of the movies he's in where he's just mumbling. He's enunciating and it's and it's so it, it's such a weird thing because I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy's just like a normal actor. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, it, it was ever since True Grit, right? That he's had the peanut butter mouth. That was the first time I remember it being so prominent. But I, I think that maybe Crazy Heart came before that, where he was a little bit like that. Oh, I don't remember, but you're probably right. Yeah, I, I know. I know the the uh, it was it was most prominent to me right away in True Grit. But and I think even like in stuff like Hell or High Water, he had peanut butter mouth and. Yeah, he's he's almost like you almost cannot understand what he's saying these days. Um and it's so it's it's yeah, it's 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 so it was It's like his it's like his dentures are falling out all the time. Like that's what I would describe it as. Peanut butter mouth or like like legit like his teeth are coming loose and he's got to pull them back in his mouth. <laughs> it's 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 partially that, but I also think that he's just he's just chewing scenery constantly and i think that's the way he's decided to do it that's his inflection now and it's it's very weird because he's 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 a relatively normal uh guy in in the movie so i i it was refreshing for me and it's it, it was i thought he was really good i think he's a convincing villain and i think that uh the way his arc kind of turns um where where you never really know until the end like what his motivations are um i think he sells that pretty well because you know he does a really good job of you know, appearing to truly care for Tony um, until, you know, he takes his big villain turn. Um, I, I felt like that vi- villain turn was a little too abrupt. Yeah. If I have one really complaint about the, the plot, I don't really, it seems very convoluted <laughs> when you, when you think about like, Oh, he hired these terrorists to kill him. And then they took him hostage and he built this Iron Man suit. And then now he wants that suit to, Anyway, I, it, there, there's 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 a, a few too many leaps in there for it to be completely, excuse me, completely uh, smooth. But I, I, di- I did like Jeff Bridges a lot in this movie. Uh, it was weird seeing his little head popping out of that giant <laughs> armor <laughs> yeah. suit at the end. But by the way, really quickly um, on the on the quick subject of CG, um, I think that a lot of the close up stuff looks good. What's particularly bad though is any flying scene. Like there's uh there's a scene where like they're flying in the desert or whatever, and you can clearly tell like they got a helicopter or a, an airplane and just shot something and superimposed Iron Man onto like it just it just doesn't it's not it, you can see the seams I think a lot in some of those scenes where where it looks like just like almost stock footage that they put Iron Man into that I think looks really bad. So who's next? Uh, Terrence Howard as James Rhodes in the movie. Uh, before getting replaced by Don Cheadle, supposedly yeah. because he was making the most of any cast member. Have you heard that story? Like he, um, was, the, he was the first cast member hired, and he uh, he was the highest paid. Oddly enough, yeah, um, I I knew that he was the first one hired. 
Um, I don't, I, I don't remember hearing about the pay, but I do remember hearing that maybe John Favreau didn't love working with him, and that they, they like, they had to cut around a lot of his scenes or cut him out of the movie a little bit. What do you think of his his part? I mean, it, it. I mean, it's fine. It's it's a pretty average sidekick role, um, and especially, you know, we never see. I mean, he's 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 Rhodes the whole movie. He, we never see him. Um, as War Machine, um, that doesn't come until Iron Man two, which, by the way, proves the uh, proves to be the number one un- unintentionally hilarious part of this movie, which is towards the end where <laughs> where he walks by the um, uh, walks by the War Machine suit and he says something to the effect of like "Damn, next time," and it's like yeah. "Nope, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, 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 buddy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that, I remember laughing at that too. So, so yeah, he's kind of the the military attaché in this film and he's the one that really connects it to the military and, and bails stark out which is it's again it's a strange thing to see them like the the actual air force involved in this thing so much later in the series it becomes like high-tech jets from shield and spaceships and shit <laughs> but at the, in this movie it's just f-18s like chasing iron man yeah and shooting yeah, yeah. Him, shooting at him it's it's weird how far it's come from that the other main character i guess the third main character here or fourth main character is um Gwyneth Paltrow's Pepper Potts, who, of course, went on to have a, a bigger role uh, in the MCU, culminating, uh, at least at this point, in Avengers Endgame, where she has her own Iron Man armor. However, this time, this first outing, uh, I found her character to be a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, I don't think she's as well-rounded, though I do do I, I do like the development I, I mean it's sort of playing the long game with her and tony's relationship and i did enjoy seeing um it sort of be recontextualized um and see them sort of as kind of platonic but kind of not like uh in, in a way that like tony has some feelings but he's also you know a womanizer in in that sense and so um and so I do like that element of it. I do like the uh, the the sort of um, uncertainty of their relationship. The character, though, is is not uh, like you said. It's 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 slightly disappointing. Though I, I may have liked it a little bit more than you did. I just felt at the end she became too ditzy, you know, during the fight and just sort of kind of watches and and walks awkwardly in ha- in high heels, especially for you know someone at the time who was, uh, I mean five years well not five years but but several years off of winning an oscar you know and and she's just kind of stuck in this it, it reminded me a lot of the uh the role of uh bryce dallas howard in uh jurassic mm. park or jurassic mm-hmm. world where she's just sort of like the woman in high heels and a pencil skirt who hobbles around while the hero does everything and you know it's not you know it's only recently that everybody's decided to become a little more progressive but at the time, it was, I guess, fine. But now, looking back on it, it's really, it's really kind of a, a disappointment to see someone who's, you know, I mean, this again, an Oscar-winning actress, you know, uh, re- relegated to being the one who calls for backup or whatever, and and watches the hero fight. Yeah, yeah, I I, I can see that. I can certainly see that. Uh, and my and again, my um. The, the the things that I liked about it were more maybe with perspective and seeing the difference between what her uh, and Tony's relationship was and became over time. Um, but and, and also seeing elements of 
that um, still there when they even when they weren't romantically involved, just her sort of being, you know, sort of watching over him in, in that sense and, and making sure that he isn't his own worst enemy type thing. Um, I think it pretty firmly establishes that even this early that they have that sort of relationship where she's almost the only one who can wrangle him in any way. Yeah, I mean, you know, she's the one that's got to throw out his his one night stands at the yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and she has the the nice moment of giving him the you know the the proof Tony Stark has a heart uh, arc reactor prototype thing that uh, comes to play later in the series and uh, yeah, it just it felt uh, uh, it's weird to see how far that sort of thing has come, you know. Here we are, uh, a few weeks out of 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 Endgame, where it has this uh, you know this pose and scene in, in the in the pose in the climactic fight scene of all the Marvel heroines, uh, female characters, kind of teaming up to 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 deliver the Infinity Gauntlet to wherever the quantum realm they're trying to take it and it, it, it that it came from this is kind of surprising you know oh, it yeah. came from like a mm-hmm. ditzy like like the the oh tony sort of character and you know i i i, I don't think that i'm qualified to do this no, you're fine you are the most capable qualified trustworthy person i've ever met you can do great is it I... too much of a problem to ask because I'm, I'm okay okay i really need your help here okay Oh, oh, there's pus. It's not pus. It's an inorganic <laughs> plasmic discharge. It's from the device, not from my body. It smells. Yeah, it does. The copper wire. The copper wire. You okay. got it? I got it. Okay, got you it. got it. Now don't let it touch. Ah, it's eyes when you're coming out. That's what sorry. I was trying to tell you sorry. before. Okay, now make sure that when you pull it out, you don't pull out. The, there's a magnet at the end of it. That was it. You just pulled out. Okay. Oh, God. I was okay. not expecting it. Don't do put I it do? back in. What don't do put I? it back in. What's wrong? Uh, nothing. I'm just going into cardiac arrest because you what? yanked. What? I thought out, you said this was like, safe. Out lure. We gotta hurry. Take this. Take this. Okay. We gotta switch it out really quick. Okay. Okay. Tony. What? It's gonna be okay. Is okay. It? It's gonna be okay. I. I am gonna make this okay. Hope. Okay. You're gonna attach that okay. to the base plate and make sure. Ah! Is that so hard? That was fun, right? Oh, I got it. I got it. So, as a movie. And not as part of of something that's going to become something way way bigger down the road. How did you think this 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 film holds up on its own? How is Iron Man itself as a as a as a standalone entity as it was at the time? Yeah, I, I think it I think it works really really well in in that sense. Um, I I think that that, that it excels at um, being a a, uh, I will say that that its back half does turn into a little bit of you know just your, um, you know your classic CGI based big bad battle you know um, mm-hmm. with the reactor and and that I, I lost a little bit of interest towards the end but I, I think the movie particularly starts out really great and I love um, you know in particular uh, I was surprised with how. Uh, with how kind of like instantly gripping the the storyline is between him and in Yinsen, the the guy who ends up um, you know creating his uh, you know that electromagnet to his to his chest um, to keep you know the shrapnel a- away. 
Um, and, and that sort of teaming up and pairing, and then you know Yinsen's final moment, uh, like the the reveal about his 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 family, um, I think is it hits pretty hard. And I think I was surprised by how well that works within the context of the movie, um, and how um, and, and how it really sets Tony on this redemption arc. And I think in order for him to um, to go from being, you know, a super egotistical, only caring about himself weapons manufacturer. Because remember, you get to see him show off the um, those missiles. The Jericho, uh, the Jericho missile. Yeah, you see him show off the Jericho missiles in a really pompous, almost careless way. And then, you know, you see him with, with this guy. I think in order for that change to work, you have to give, you have to, the inciting incident of change and uh, redemption has to be earned, and I think it's really, really earned in this movie, especially with the bonding of those two characters. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I think that 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 is the the heart and the best part of the film is that you know the sequence that starts with him, uh, you know, after the flashback, him in the cave, and and getting to where he builds the Iron Man armor to escape. I mean, that's a great little chunk of the film right there yes yes and uh you know it, it everything everything depends on that and i think that really really delivers and it, it's it's effective and it's you know it doesn't it doesn't take shortcuts and it, it it makes sense you know the the terrorist leader is a bit of a cliche character fine and then you know the the fact that it's about terrorism at all is is almost sort of quaint now in this in this Marvel Cinematic Universe that's, you know, that's ended with uh, uh, aliens destroying the universe. But it, it's it's uh, it is really, really earned, I think. And it, it, you know, the middle chunk of the film gets a little, um, you know, gets to have a little bit of adventure where you see him sort of taking on these terrorists on his own. And then, like you said, the last half of it or last, you know, third of it, the it's a little CGI heavy and kind of ridiculous. And that's where I think the, you know, the, the uh, turn of Obadiah stain is not quite as smooth as it should be. And yeah, uh, Pepper Potts starts acting like a ditz. And I will say that that, that middle chunk where he gets to take it on, on his own has one of the cooler um, sequences uh, of him kind of like literally taking everyone on. And, and it's got where, you know, the hostages have like women and children and, uh, and he and they like with guns to their heads and like he like individually marks the targets and shoots them with. Um, I mean, with... he murders a shit ton of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. And I do think I, the one thing that I, I wish was a little bit, um, you know, again, if we're nitpicking um, the, the sequence where he's learning to d- use the suit um, is a little uh, the physical comedy in that is a little extreme, <laughs> I think. Uh, a little cartoonish, um, and I uh, wish that they had dialed that down of just a touch. Yeah, I wasn't. Um, yeah, I wasn't the big fan of the uh, kind of anthropomorphized uh, robot arm either. Yes, yeah, which I don't recall making another appearance in this series, but I don't remember that well. We'll see. I haven't watched. It has a it has a very small piece in Iron Man two, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay, I haven't rewatched Iron Man two yet. Uh, I haven't gotten that far, but it is a like a little too cutesy but it's fine I, I didn't i didn't hate it but i wasn't terribly crazy about it either yeah the the fire extinguisher thing is just it's just very cutesy <laughs> like it's uh, it's the it's the one part in the movie where you like all the small children identify themselves by hearing like 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 small children laughing 
like in this very serious movie. Like that's that's yeah. sort of the purpose. Some it ter- he's about to go murder some terrorists. Like just gun, just outgun them and just destroy them. But the the robot sprayed a fire extinguisher at him. Tee hee hee hee. Yes. Again. Uh, okay. So how is this movie? Uh, has it been recontextualized for you at all? Looking at it as uh, as someone who's seen all of this this journey so far of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, how how does it 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 fit into that now for you? Does it change anything or or what? Um, I would say it it it, it changes perspective a little bit in terms of you know going back to a time where you know these team ups were just um you know we're not we're not the main source of like it's it's it wasn't what we're working towards is the main focus i mean there have been marvel movies that are straight up setup movies just straight up table setters you mean the, the mcu movies right it, yeah in the mcu yeah right right yeah and and it was and it was interesting to see a movie that was not only a standalone but i i really was taken aback by how again how small scale it feels um, you know, with the lack of the big action set pieces, there's a few in there, but I mean, the first chunk of the movie until Tony Stark builds the first Iron Man suit in the cave, it's all dramatic acting and character work. And, um, you know, it's really, it's really well done. And I, and I think that, you know, the biggest takeaway is just, I think there are some characters like Thor that don't become established instantly. And it takes a while for Thor to get going. I even think that it takes Captain America a little bit of time to become as good of a character as it ended up being. And it, it shows that, that almost instantly Tony Stark was a fully fleshed out character, which is why I think that so many of the movies work, especially the team up movies is because at the center, you have a guy who has been unchanged the whole time. And, and Robert Downey Jr. has such a grip on the character beats, the character notes um, that he's sort of, that's why he's sort of the North star and all of this stuff. And, and I think that that's the biggest part is that, yeah, Tony Stark has had, uh, has been set in stone since the very beginning. Well, I, I, I will agree with that as the character has been set in stone. I think there is some weird turns of motivation for him throughout the series that I'm kind of interested to revisit because I feel like, and I'm exaggerating obviously, but I feel like his uh, his worldview sort of changes from movie to movie. But uh, I, I, I may be overblowing that in my head, but I, I do know that there's like a, you know, we he ends civil war, you know, fighting with Captain America over the fact that you know these superheroes need to control themselves, so so to speak. And then the very next appearance by the character is just sort of giving a a powerful Iron Man suit to some teenage kid who has spider powers. So, like I said, the motivation I'm not sure stays true from movie to movie, but the characterization does 100 percent. And and that's all Robert Downey Jr. I I feel for me it was uh, not so much you know didn't really change what I thought of of the whole thing yeah. but it, I did it did make me nostalgic for how different things were just eleven years ago yeah and if there's one thing too I forgot to mention this earlier but if there's my my least favorite thing of the movie um, is the score um, I think the score sounds like basically like bed music for like a Ford commercial. Um, I don't even remember the score. That's how much it didn't impact me. It's it's a lot of guitar work, and actually, Tom Morello uh, does some guitar work on it uh, as well. Oh wow! Um, who apparently also cameos in the movie. Uh, I don't remember him, but um, but either. anyway, 
it, it it's just it's just so it's like generic guitar riffs and it's and and that was the intention i know that john favreau wanted like a heavy metal soundtrack and it just doesn't it's just the most generic rock music uh that you've ever heard and and i just it just i it took me out of the movie every time it started playing um and i and i really was not a fan of it i don't i don't think there's been a great score in this in this series other than the avengers theme yeah just to point out one bad thing i I just and it was it was bad to the point where it it (laughs) stuck out to me there's been speculation that i was involved in the events that occurred the freeway and the rooftop i'm sorry mr stark but do you honestly expect us to believe that that was a bodyguard in a suit that conveniently appeared, despite the fact that... I know that it's confusing. It is one thing to question the official story and another thing entirely to make wild accusations or insinuate that I'm uh, a superhero. I never said you were a superhero. Didn't? Mm -mm. Well, good, because that would be outlandish and uh, fantastic. I'm just not the the hero type, clearly, with this uh, laundry list of character defects, all the mistakes I've made. Largely public. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Truth is, I am Iron Man. So, what grade would you give Iron Man today? Today, I would give it a, a, a really solid B. Plus. Um, I, I think that. Um, it's it's again spoiler alert it's not my favorite marvel movie um it's not the best marvel movie but it really solidifies it as uh as it's it's one of the movies that helps solidify comic book movies as you know as seen as on the same level as anything else which it is today you know again comic book films or superhero movies demand to be taken seriously at this point and i think that even though stuff like spider-man 2 or x-men 2 uh, were really highly regarded. Um, I see those movies as as being kind of like fun, cool superhero stuff. Whereas I see Iron Man as a, a really serious, kind of dark, you know, well thought out, well written, well acted, especially you know, piece of film. And and I think that uh, this really helped establish you know taking the genre seriously. And and so I you know I I would. You know, I, I, it's pretty highly regarded for me. Uh, a B plus for me as well. And, and for the same reason, it, and I would describe this as the beginning of comic book air, uh, excuse me, the beginning of comic book movies not feeling like they have to shave off their weirdest corners to to make an impact in the larger box office. Yeah, this one is pretty, pretty straightforward and not too comic booky, but this movie led to stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy where there's a fucking talking raccoon. Mm-hmm. You know, this this is this was something that would have been unheard of in the time of, you know, Spider-Man 2 and X-Men 2. Uh, it is it's sort of the you know, it's not the first comic book movie, but it's the first comic book movie, if that makes sense. You know, there's no there's no pandering to a, a larger crowd, frankly, because I think it's so easy not to. But it was the beginning of this era where you didn't have to to stop and, and, you know, make sure that Nick Fury wasn't too weird or that a red and yellow suit wouldn't be fine. You'd have to stick him in a black suit like a, you know, RoboCop clone or something. So I think even back then I probably would have given it a B plus, but certainly a B plus now. Again, it's not my favorite like yours. And it is a great, it is a great movie. Rewatching this made me want to go buy a poster that I had missed out on (laughs) for Iron Man. 
Uh, and spoiler alert, I bought it. So. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next episode, we're going to be covering The Incredible Hulk, which also came out in 2008 and uh, is sort of the the first real stretch of this shared universe thing and i think probably the first big giant example of it in in filmmaking but that's mm-hmm. uh that's next time so if you like us please subscribe to us well, this is our first episode of re mcu and uh we're looking to to cover all 22 marvel films and maybe we'll do more if there's uh if there's other stuff maybe we'll go back and watch that 1990 captain america who knows yeah i think this is that we this is something we've been threatening for a while uh which is to expand upon our podcast and come up with different ideas of of things that we can do that's a little bit more specific or, you know, tied to any sort of series or an idea. So this is an experiment of sorts for us that uh, is exciting. So if you do like it, please also um, give us a review on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, give us a rating. Contact us. Uh, we can You can find us at Cinesnob, which is our, uh, which is, you know, the, the umbrella all this is under. We're going to review all of the, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, we're going to revisit all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films. Uh, and it's important to know we're going to go in release order. We're not going to go in chronological order. Yeah, I've I've been seeing this being tossed around. And, and when I've talked to some friends and family telling them about this idea, a lot of them were like, are you going to watch it in in like the order in which the events happen? I'm like, no, like, why? W- I don't I don't get that because you don't get to see the way that the universe was built by design. And also, I have a feeling that a lot of those stingers, the credit stingers aren't going to make sense, which, by the way. Um, if we want to add another segment to this as we're figuring it out as we go along, <laughs> uh, is there a credit stinger? Yes, yes there is, um, which is where we first see Nick Fury enter the picture and, and really reinforce the idea that, that this is going to be a shared universe. Jarvis. Welcome Holmes. I am I. You think you're the only superhero in the world? Mr. Stark, you become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. Who the hell are you? Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. So in the next episode, we're covering The Incredible Hulk, uh, starring Edward Norton in his one turn as the Hulk, and Liv Tyler and Tim Roth... Uh, William Hurt, who does a, keep appearing as uh, in s- several I'm, other uh, Marvel films. I'm excited to talk about William Hurt because I don't really know uh, how we got there <laughs> to to where he ended up being based on this movie. But uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to talk about with the Incredible Hulk. Uh, so anyway, until next time, I'm Jared Kingery and I'm Cody Viafania. <laughs> <laughs>